It was so good that when we finished the book, my wife was kind of like, just keep going because it brought everyone together. And that's kind of what I would focus on is the value of shared experiences. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So, Andrew, a few weeks ago, we promised our listeners that about this time, Father's Day. Oh, Father's Day. It is, yes. Um, you would share some ideas, some thoughts, some points from your talk that you're giving this year at the Great Homeschool Conventions. And a few other conventions, too. Oh, right. Okay, good. Uh, the three best things I did as a homeschool dad. And so here we are. Yeah, I was afraid to do this talk because I thought, well, homeschool conventions, 90% of everybody there is a mom. Mm -hmm. And the men are few and far between Mm -hmm. in most places, not all. So nobody will show up. But I was (laughs) pleased and I I thought, I know why all these women are here. Mm -hmm. It's so they can decide if they want to buy the recording and Uh, try to make their husbands listen to it. Right. And... Yeah, you've had good crowds at this talk. People are eager to hear what Andrew Poudois, father to seven, would say to homeschool dads. Yeah, well, the first thing is, you know, I am not the greatest homeschool dad that ever lived. That's for (laughs) sure. But rather than focusing on the failures, Mm -hmm. you can focus on the few good things. So that's why I put the, the actual titles, the three Maybe four. Oh, okay. Best thing. See that that title. You have to grab people. That's one of our principles mm-hmm. from our writing program. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the fourth? Right. People are just curious. And if you run out of time, you can say, "Oh, I, sorry, I can't give you the fourth. Can't do the fourth. <laughs> yeah. But in the podcast world, we control things a little better. So. Yes. Okay. Good. Well, um, you just want to launch in. Let's go right. These three things are probably according to my wife. Okay. If you were to ask her mm-hmm. what were the best things that I did to support our homeschooling home family, great. these would be on the top. Maybe they'd be the whole list. I'm not <laughs> sure. But we'll start with uh, first one first, and that is reading aloud mm-hmm. to the whole family. And of course, we've talked a lot about reading aloud. We're good friends with Sarah McKenzie yes, and Read Aloud Revival. And I've been doing that talk, Nurturing Competent Communicators, for many, many years. And if any of the listeners have never heard that talk, mm-hmm. then I would say go get that one and listen to it right away. Link in the show notes. But, you know, I would here I would talk a little bit more about how it changed the family dynamic in a really positive way. Mm-hmm. So I was starting to think along the lines of you can't get something out of a brain that isn't in there to begin with. 
how do we build vocabulary and syntax and kind of a literary sense? How do we furnish the mind with vocabulary and mm -hmm. syntax, grammar, reliably correct and appropriately sophisticated English? Mm -hmm. So I, I had this idea that I needed to read out loud a whole lot more. And in the uh, Nurturing Comedy Communicators talk, I give the story of how I, you know, said one day at the dinner table, okay, family, new law. Uh, no one's going to go see that movie, Lord of the Rings, until I read this whole book, Fellowship of the Ring, out loud to you. Mm -hmm. We start tonight, and there's no opting out. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, some of the guidelines are, number one, no opting out. Like everybody, including mom, all the teenagers, whether you want to or not, have to be in the room. And I kind of, you know, was, a, I guess, a little bit forceful in that. <laughs> but I wanted to see, you know, could we do this? Could we really just change things in the home? Because you know how it is, I mean, when you've got four or five kids at home and everybody's got something they want. And so when you override that and say, whatever you want to do tonight is now not going to happen because what we are going to do is all sit in the same room and listen to me read to you. This begs the question, how on earth did you manage manage schedules? Because you obviously travel a lot. And I'm, I'm sure your kids were involved in extracurricular activities as well. How did you manage that? Well, you just make it a priority. Mm -hmm. And... Obviously, I couldn't read out loud when I was gone, mm -hmm. but, you know, just every night when I was home, that's what would happen. Get the dishes and after-dinner chores done as quickly as possible, and we'll start reading, you know, whenever that would be, you know, maybe 7.38, and then just read, you know, basically as long as time would allow until somebody has to go to bed, mm -hmm. although because of my schedule and work and our particular lifestyle, we didn't tend to put children to bed on the early side, mm -hmm. at least not compared to a couple of my daughters who put their children in bed at 7.30 or 8. I'm like, the evening's just beginning. <laughs> okay. I just have to insert a comment here because we put our kids to bed 9.30 or later because Disneyland fireworks went off at 9.30. So it was pointless to try and put him to bed earlier than that because Disneyland was three miles away. My son puts my grandchildren to bed between 6.30 and 7.30. Yeah. I, I'm astounded. And they sleep 12 hours. Well, I'm pretty sure we don't put children to bed so that they get more sleep. Hmm. I'm pretty sure that we put children to bed so that we can get back to doing the things we want to get done before yeah, we they, collapse into yeah. bed. But we tended to run a pretty late schedule. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when you're homeschooling, there's no necessity for getting up at 6.30 or 7 so you can feed kids and get them on a bus or get them to school. So right. we had, I would say, a little more uh, shifted mm -hmm. schedule. And that was good. I mean, in the early days, I would be teaching violin lessons mm. in the evening because that's when students were available. And sure. I had time. Anyway, we got this going. And uh, I tell stories about how I learned things about my children that I didn't notice before in the process of doing this. Teenagers can have a harder time sitting still than little kids. Uh, don't judge 
attentiveness by behavior. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the kids, you know, like my six-year-old son who's living in his Lego world, I didn't think he was hearing anything at all. And yet it would come out that, yes, indeed, not only was he hearing it, he was remembering it, understanding it, and even narrating back parts of it. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, sometimes the kids who look perfectly attentive are just not <laughs> tuned in at all. We get a little bit of classroom management because somebody's the one who always has a question. And so working through all that was good. But, you know, we got to the end of the Fellowship of the Ring on time, oh, which was the goal, right. to finish the book before the movie came out. So that was part of the motivation for the kids to be willing to do this. Right, because I said nobody in this family, nobody, myself included, mm-hmm. mom included, teenagers included, is going to go see that movie until I've read this whole book to you. And so that was kind of, yes, a driving factor. And then, of course, when the movie came out, not everybody was old enough to get <laughs> to go see it. But nevertheless, however, over that few months of time, it was, I would say, a culture shift very significant culture shift in the family, whereas in the after-dinner world, people would kind of float off and do whatever they wanted, and then you try to squeeze in a bedtime story for this kid or that kid. It was now like, okay, whenever dad's home and there isn't something that is more urgent, which was rare, really, Mm. we're all going to sit in the room and I'm going to read. And it, it was so good that when we finished the book, my wife was kind of like, just keep going, you know, do another book because it brought everyone together. Yes. And that's kind of what I would focus on is the value of shared experiences. Mm, mm-hmm. And in our modern busy world when there's different screens in the house and everybody can be kind of tuned in or off in their corner or doing whatever they want – you know, that that shared experience is harder to create. And, you know, a vacation provides that. But sure. How often do you go take a trip that everybody's sharing that? And so that benefit of being able to just relate things in life to the stories mm-hmm. that you've shared together, mm-hmm. um, really valuable. And um, there's something, you know, about the good and great literature that is connecting you with the important things of being human. And so something comes up and you can say, oh, that's that's kind of like when, you know, Sam and Frodo had this or kind of like when this happened in that story. So it really bonded the, the whole family in a way that I, I guess we felt we're kind of disintegrating to some degree, Hmm. just in terms of everybody doing their own thing. Right. And, you know, I remember my childhood. There's no internet. There's no screens. And we would, like, watch TV together, Mm -hmm. maybe for an hour or two most nights. So there was kind of that context, but it it didn't have the the power of goodness. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay, Andy Griffith. (laughs) It, It wasn't bad, but it's not like great Mm -hmm. compared to some of these great books. Mm -hmm. So we started with The Fellowship of the Ring, and then my wife was like, let's continue. Please continue. Right. So I launched into The Two Towers. Mm -hmm. But after a while, 
I was dreading it. I I was I died in Mordor. I just didn't. <laughs> I couldn't keep going. I I didn't want to do it anymore. And I thought, mm-hmm. if I'm not having a good time, probably this is not the right book to be reading. Mm-hmm. So I actually just quit right mm-hmm. in the middle of the book. I it wasn't even to the middle yet. I mm-hmm. think it was maybe a third of the way through. And I just said, okay, if you want to read this book, go ahead. But I'm done with it. It'll be a long time till the movie comes anyway, so let's just not worry about that. And uh, I shifted over to a book I thought would be enjoyable, and that was Around the World in 80 Days. Oh, right, yeah. Which I I remembered vaguely having read when I was younger, Mm -hmm. I don't know, probably teenager or something. Mm -hmm. I just remembered thinking, that's a good story, and Jules Verne, and kind of a classic. So I just picked that one up off the shelf and I started in. And I, I had a great time mm-hmm. because they're traveling around the world. And so they're meeting these different people from different countries. So you can practice your voices and accents. Oh, very fun. Know. Yeah. And we actually included that book in the literature suggestions for one of our Structure and Style for Students video courses. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't say that it has the great moral classic <laughs> stature of some great books. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot in there. Sure. And in the days when people couldn't watch movies that would be set in different places in the world, it provided this kind of narrative that would take you into your imagination. So I enjoyed it, but the kids were a little irritated because I would do these voices and accents and they're, <laughs> they're kind of saying things like, Dad, would you just read the book? <laughs> and then I would respond, no, it's it, this helps bring it to life. Besides, you'll do this to your kids anyway. You know? <laughs> nice. And then uh, we finished that one. And then I had uh, heard a recommendation from a friend of mine on a book, Laddie, oh, okay. by Gene Stratton Porter. And I had this vague awareness of this author and the book she had written, Girl of the Limberlost, which I don't think I really liked all that much. But I picked it up, and I found it to be very engaging. Mm. It was a book that kind of had something for everyone. It had an all-too-perfect dad, mm-hmm. which was slightly irritating, but okay, you can learn something. And it had kind of this romance going on with the, mm. the teenager age, and then there was this very kind of cleverly, articulately, brilliantly mischievous 12-year-old boy, Mm -hmm. which I found probably some of the funniest moments in any book were were there. And then the main character was the, she called it semi-autobiographical. Oh, interesting. So the character in the book, who was a six-year-old girl, I think was loosely based on the author's life. Mm, mm-hmm. I don't think any human being could remember that much detail from their life of being six years old. Right. But it was kind of like this window into the world 150 years ago. And so that had a nice, a, a good value, just perspective on the priorities. One of the things that cracked me up was this whole little town on Christmas Eve, right? They would get together for, I don't know, party, fellowship, Mm -hmm. celebration. 
and have a spelling bee. Oh my word! <laughs> where all the adults and children could participate. Oh, okay, that's kind of fun. And I thought, well, that you wouldn't find that anywhere in、no. the world today. So <laughs> we kind of just kept this going.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, as I started doing this talk, I was able to extract stories from that talk, and also book recommendations and advice for.、Right. Dads, like number one, read whole books. It drives you to read more.、Mm-hmm. Read books that you want to read because、mm-hmm. if you're having a good time, everybody be okay with it.、Mm-hmm. If you're not having a good time, you probably give up. And a few strategies like how do you survive if you're sleepy? You know, I, I mean, dads work hard. They work long hours, and you're reading to your kids and you're dozing off. They're like, "Dad, wake up!" <laughs> oh, okay. So you know, how do you do that? And And answers to some commonly asked questions, like you know, does everyone really have to be in the room? Yes, but they can do stuff.、Mm-hmm. I remember my wife would, you know, I think at a certain point she got a laptop, and so she would do emails or、mm-hmm. research or whatever she wanted to do.、Mm-hmm. And I remember one time one of the girls was doing math homework or you know math work, and the. Some of the kids would play with blocks or Legos, so、mm-hmm. so it's not like they couldn't be doing something with their hands, but they needed to be in the room, so they were absorbing it either intentionally or accidentally. Okay, I I have to ask this question though: How do you keep yourself away? Because I have that problem right now, reading to my granddaughter. Well, my best strategy was stand up. Oh, interesting. So I would just stand up. And start reading. It's harder to fall asleep when you're standing. <laughs> I mean, you could still do it, yeah, but、uh, it's harder. And、uh, you know, the other thing would be to breathe better. One of the reasons we get sleepy is we don't breathe and get the same oxygenation that we would.、Mm-hmm. So just you know, stop for thirty seconds, take a few deep breaths. You, know, you have to be careful about drinking coffee or tea、mm-hmm. if you're reading at eight o'clock at night. Sure. And then you know, as that got going over the years, some of the kids would take turns. Oh, I love that. So if they're old enough to read well enough,、mm-hmm. then、uh, I need a little break here. Would you read for ten minutes and and kind of pass the book?、Mm-hmm. Yep. So that that was another strategy. And then sometimes I would just be pinching myself. <laughs> The, the things you do when you're driving to stay yeah, awake, yeah. you know, a little bit of pain here and、mm-hmm. there. So that was the,、um, you know, that was the first thing, and and it just changed the culture of the family,、mm-hmm. and you know, we kind of kept it going for a long time. It started to fall apart when the last two kids, the only ones at home, were teenagers,、mm-hmm. and we were just busy with a lot of things, and they were less inclined. But and once you've got one teenager at home, it's really harder to to do that.、Mm-hmm. But once you have no kids at home, you can start up again and just、yes. read to your wife. Yes. And、uh, the funny thing is, she, we we can spend. An hour or more, trying to find a show that we actually both would want to watch. Yes. And by the time we've found the show that we want to watch, it's too late to watch it. So we don't do very well with watching things together,、mm-hmm. unless we get like a series that somebody recommends. But it's interesting because because one night we're just like, 
none of these options are good. And my wife says, why don't you just read to me? Aww. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll do that. So I just picked up a book and started reading. And she, of course, went to sleep. <laughs> and I was having such a good time reading out loud to her. I just kept going, yes. even though she was asleep, because I don't know, I guess I like hearing my own voice. I, <laughs> I don't like hearing recordings of my voice, uh -huh. but I like to hear myself talk. So mm. anyway, <laughs> so that was the first one, you okay. know, read aloud to the whole family. And, right. You know, more details are in the Nurturing Competent Communicators talk. Mm -hmm. The second thing that I did was the suggestion of someone else. And at first I was very resistant and you'll know why. The family meeting. Oh, yes. And you know from personal experience, <laughs> my attitude about meetings. <laughs> like there's a good book out there called Death by Meeting. Yes. I don't know if it's a good book or not. I just like the title. It's a great book. Yeah. So I was kind of resistant to this, but I was so persuaded by my friends. You know, he mm -hmm. gave a little talk on this. Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, this could help us mm -hmm. because when you have a lot of kids or when the kids start growing up and having a lot of stuff they want to do, you need organization. And my wife, God bless her, was trying to keep us organized with a calendar on the refrigerator. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, wasn't really working well mm -hmm. and things would slip through. So anyway, I came up with this kind of agenda form. Okay. And I, I think I had read some book about, you know, business or whatever. I think it's before you came and organized my life for me. <laughs> but so I thought, okay, let's have a format like a meeting would have. Mm -hmm. I even believe that I glanced through Robert's Rules of Order to, there you go. to get some ideas on this. So anyway, we'd start with a prayer and then there would be kind of a review of the schedule for the week. Mm -hmm. That way, everybody who had something that they wanted to be sure would happen or they would get transported to where they need to go or they would have, you know, with a teenager, access to a vehicle or knowing my schedule, mm -hmm. which was what my wife often, I would tell her something, but she would forget, or I wouldn't tell her something, and then she wouldn't be able to forget because she would never have heard it. Uh, so we'd kind of go through everybody's schedule needs for the week and just get that as clear as possible. Then if something came up later in the week, you know, it wouldn't be someone else's fault that that was a problem. You should have mentioned this when we had our meeting. Right. So it created a little accountability on that side. So it was the schedule part. Then uh, I put in a section called problems, complaints, and requests. Okay. And this was extremely helpful because if somebody had a problem or a complaint, they could voice it in a non-emotional, safe environment mm -hmm. and be heard. So there was no interrupting or arguing allowed mm -hmm. during this portion of problems, complaints, or requests. And, you know, sometimes it was kind of serious stuff. Sometimes it was just, you know, I wish, I request that so-and-so, I won't name any names here, would quit leaving their stuff all over my our room. Mm -hmm. Right? And be like, 
Okay. So she's saying that you're leaving your stuff all over your room. Would you try to not do that this week mm-hmm. or just improve on leaving your stuff all over? <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Right? So so there was this opportunity rather than arguing, whining, complaining, and nagging to present this as a an issue that would help make their life better. Right. And so – I would write these down. And and when I had this little agenda form, I would print out a copy for everyone in the family, even the kids who couldn't write. Mm-hmm. And I would say, write down stuff. Okay. Right? That way you remember. We have schedule stuff. We have these problems, complaints, or requests. And, and if you couldn't write, then you can draw a picture or whatever you want to do. But everybody had the piece of paper to take notes. Mm-hmm. So we would go through that. And then the next section was progress report. So then I would look at the previous week's problems, complaints, or requests and see and then ask the question. So last week, you know, she asked that you would stop leaving your junk all over the room. Has this improved? Well, yeah. Okay, super. Thank you very much. That's wonderful. We've improved. Everybody's or no. Okay, so... How can mom and I help you? Mm-hmm. I do have a service it's called Dad's Bagging Service. <laughs> it's where I walk in the room and pick up all the junk on the floor, put it in a bag, and you can pay five bucks to get it back. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so you know it was this way to diffuse the emotion. And of course, some of our listeners know I have of my seven children, six were girls. Yes, so. In some cases, the emotional energy of the girls was a little more than I could quite understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was also convenient for mom because she's busy doing all these things, homeschooling kids, and someone would come over and complain about something. She could say, oh, excellent. Just save that for the the family family meeting. meeting. Yep, I like that. And that would just diffuse it right there. Mm -hmm. And then the next section... I would put in some kind of quote mm. or something, and we would have a short little discussion. Do you agree with this or disagree with this, and why? Mm-hmm. And then everyone could kind of have a little bit of philosophical interaction mm-hmm. in a formal way, but not a long, drawn-out thing, just mm-hmm. to, you know, a few minutes. And then we would always finish with ice cream. Oh, nice. So that there was you know, something to look forward to. And nice. we weren't a family that would eat dessert every night. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ice cream after the family meeting. And and because of my schedule, the day that I was most likely to be home every week was Sunday evening. Oh, okay. So we did this Sunday evening. But, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think you could do it any other evening. It just happened that that was the most consistent. And um, So these re- are weekly meetings. Weekly meetings. Nice. And, and I remember my, my wife would be disappointed when we couldn't do it mm-hmm. for some reason. And uh, she very often would say, things go so much better oh. when you're here and we can do this every week. Yeah. So uh, we kept at it for years somewhere in a box. I moved several times since then. Yes. I do have a three-ring binder with years worth wow. of notes Wow. from – these family meetings on my little one-page agenda nice. form. And uh, someday when I find it, I'm <laughs> sure it will be very interesting yes. to discover 
what were those things that people complained about and the problems that were solved and the things we discussed and the schedule difficulties uh, worked through and all that. So those were the first two of the three, maybe four things that I did of course, well our, or almost well as yeah. a homeschool dad. And of course, our timekeeper has already told us time's up. So we're going to have to pick this up next week. Next week for Father's Day Part 2. I part guess, 2, huh? indeed. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcasts. Here you can also find show notes and relevant links from today's broadcast. One last thing. Would you mind going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast? This really helps other smart, caring listeners like you find us. Thanks so much.